0: at 25, sitting in front of the CEO of National Black Theater, talking about the future of theater. And then she's just like, she had a full-on download. I'll never forget it. And she says, I think I should make you my creative director. And I should make you my creative director because everyone believes in you, but who's going to invest in you? And I want to invest in you.
1: Oh man we would let this rock for entirely too long what's good everybody what's good welcome back to yet another episode of off the strength where we're giving you the inside look into all things wellness culture i'm a trainer called tony and of course with me i have some gentlemen of extraordinary league guys let's go around the table and introduce ourselves please
2: your trainer Corey, aka your favorite trainer's favorite trainer
3: K.R. Jones is in the building.
1: Oh, yeah, and that's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of all type from near and far, you are now in store for a treat. We are coming back to you with another Your Trainer Corey production. Corey. Yo. Can you let the good listeners know what they have in store today,
2: please? Man, this is going to be a beautiful thing. Let me talk to you all about my guy, all right? So let me introduce DC native, but Harlem got the dibs on his two-time Obie Award winner. Artistic director of the National Black Theater, he helped create the National Black Theater of Sweden. Don't even know <laughs> where you do that at. He's on the nominating committee for the Tony Awards and the Lucille Lortel Awards. Emerging producer award winner has his hands in producing, developing, and breathing life into so many projects, I can't list them because Tony only gave me like 18 seconds for the intro. That's true. The great creator, the bearer of the princely robes, he is Jonathan McCrory.
1: Everybody, let's make some noise for so Jonathan McCrory one time. Jonathan, yeah. what's going on? Yeah.
2: Hey. Guaranteed high energy today. Definitely. And the robes, almighty princely. I love this That's color. I love the, prin- the
1: whole situation. That turquoise. Just, Just
2: the, so you know, he is not dressing up. When we met, he had on princely robes. The second time we met, we had on. he had on princely robes. He sounds like he wears princely robes on the phone. It's a luscious conversation. That's what we're
1: about luscious, to have. Luscious.
2: I like luscious, it. Luscious. Yes. <laughs> Yo, let's jump right into it. How we like to jump in. We like to ask our guests this question to get everything rolling. So Jonathan, where were you when you first fell in love with wellness?
0: Mm. When I first fell in love with wellness, I want to say this word, but it's a word that I don't believe in now, but I was broken, right? The idea of broken, Mm -hmm. the idea of spiritually in a space of brokenness. So I had taken on all of this weight of um, running the institution, of navigating all of this kind of capacity. What most people should know is that I became the Artistic Director of National Park Theater at the age of 25. Mm. Um, so at the age of 25, I was having to navigate contracts, having to build seasons, how to construct curation, all the X, Y, and Z. And a part of that conversation is that if you remember where you are at 25 or where my friends were at 25, they weren't necessarily having that conversation. So I wasn't able to necessarily be ratchet, like, or do my ratchet thing that happened at 25 or build that kind of colleague or kind of space at 25. So I had taken on kind of, um, as, my, as my friend would say, I started to wear a crown that really began to create a, a, a kind of a weight on my body, um, a weight on my spirit, a weight on my on my personhood. And it wasn't until I started understanding the need for deep self-care that I could actually begin to expand into my role. My skin wasn't wasn't as clear as it should be. I was starting to get breakouts. My body was starting to break down in different locations. And so one of the packs that I made with myself when I said I was gonna be artistic director or be in partnership with Sade Lithcott, who is the CEO of MBT, and go on this very beautiful journey of helping her and helping the rest of the team of National Eye Theater to engage, reemerge, and, and imagine what MBT can be, I said, I, I won't kill myself. Like there was an element of me that I'd seen my predecessors, uh, my peers, uh, slowly but surely because of the weight of the job, begin to deteriorate, muscle, memory, all that stuff. So I would say wellness came for me as a, as a means of the an antidote so that I could stay inside of my job. Uh, wellness came for me as an antidote of like taking baths. So when I finally realized what I needed to do, for like three years, every morning I asked myself, What am I going to do for myself before I do anything for anyone else on this planet? How do I feed myself, give gift to myself first? Then I can be an offering to others. I'm willing to be of service to others. But what I was realizing is that I was really configuring my life to just be of service, 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 service. So I was depleting the instrument, the machine that is me and not actually giving myself the permission to say, how do I feed this first? before I feed a community. So so that was one element of like where I think wellness in my adult body really became a conscious modality of how I move forward. Um, ever since then, it's, it's, just, it's just been the thing that I do. It's a thing that I try to, I always ask myself as I level up and as we all level up, like what is the different deep sense nature of self-care that has to be made present? And what I've also learned is that self-care is consistency, not necessarily the things that you do, So you can take as many baths as you want, but if you're not consistent about the modality of that bath, you're not consistent about the modality of doing that push-up in that way. If you're not consistent about the modality of having juices every day, you're actually not caring in a way in which of that allows for the body, soul and spirit to adapt to its new state of being.
2: You just gave us a lot. You gave us a lot. Can I back you back to the crown and how (laughs) they always say, you know, the crown is heavy unpack that crown for us. Tell me what, what the weight of those things were that were wearing on you that caused you to physically deteriorate and feel that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was working about 15 hour days. So I was working at until six, a, I was working 6am around 6am in the morning until about 2am. I was sleeping three hours. I was sleeping on a REM cycle. So I was sleeping exactly as like they say they, it was an Einstein structure. Einstein used to only sleep three hours out of the night. So I, I was sleeping like that for, I think I just stopped doing that actually. I was roughly uh, living off of a three hour kind of like, that's all I did. I just slept for three hours and then I would just wake up and I would be like, why am I not sleeping more? And then I just accepted it. But over time it deteriorates. And a lot of it was because my brain, I was worrying about, concerning about all these other things. I was actually over-functioning. Now that I'm in therapy, I realized I was over-functioning during that entire period of time because I was trying to take, there was a grief that I was trying to also um, not deal with within myself, and I was trying, and I wasn't actually allowing for, for the complexities, the sadness, the... The, the the longing to actually take root I was just consuming not in out and I was consuming in like a workforce way I was consuming all these things to try to get so much done um, so that was like contracting I designed websites I designed the website for the institution I, I redesigned our contracts I negotiated deals with unions I curated a season I was the line producer and also the producer I was working on budgets finance and like a lot of those things are what you do for a startup. So a lot of the things I just assumed as like this is this, this is this is that we're even though we are a legacy organization, there's an element of this that is startup energy. So therefore, it was like I, I just kind of said, oh, this is what you just do to build a startup. On the other level, it's also what you do to deteriorate your very body and Ooh. what you do to not honor who you are.
1: Man, coming from that startup place, I entirely know exactly what you're talking about over on that side, man. I, I could hear it inside there, I need to get more baths in my life is what I'm hearing on this side. <laughs> I don't think I mean, they're
0: pretty awesome. Like A lot of people are just like, you do it in the morning instead of at night, and I was just like, yeah. We got bath salts, botanica, I go to the botanica, I get the potions, I have Florida water, put some <laughs> hydro peroxide, we got some, I mean, I just started putting like fresh fruits, so like citrus, like so cut lemons, cut oranges. So uh, you, but- you
2: you're taking a bath in the sangria? Thank
0: you. <laughs> thank you. Give me the elixir. Give me that good elixir. Also, like the idea, the, the idea is that my body actually feels more rejuvenated because having a different connection to just like rest. And the muscles are having a different connection to rest. than because I work it so hard throughout the day
3: right, and so... to
0: have a different connection to rest allows for, I think, those hours that I'm not taking <laughs> or those hours I weren't taking to sleep. Allowing my body to have a restful space while my mind might be going somewhere else.
1: He's saying here relaxing responsibly, guys. I like
3: this. Yes. I like what you're doing Early. over here. in the
2: a.m. right there,
3: uh, Jonathan. Now you definitely laid out a lot for us, man. And I think you you jumped us off at 25, saying that was your you know your your broken space or where you continue to grow from. Uh, What happened before that space? So, like, what prepared you to take on such a role at 25 and then to overproduce, as you say, that you did?
0: It all starts with the fact that my mom and my dad generated a space where a black boy could dream unabashedly and not have to take into the concerns of the financial necessary ramifications of of his major choices, i.e., college. Uh, one of those big moments where, like, you know, uh, it was a choice to either go and I'll say it publicly: go to Morehouse and get a and go full presidential scholarship, or go to NYU and you're not really getting any scholarship. But at NYU, you follow your passion and dreams by in the arts. Morehouse, you probably morph your dreams and become. I was probably going to go the route of engineer, architect. So my parents gave me the freedom to make choice agency of choice actually created a space for my hunger and my desire and passion to lead how I operate versus thinking logical. I think logic is important, but one of my gifts on this planet is my intuition. And one of my gifts on my planet is to be led by my intuition and follow my compassion and thoughtful heart chakra. So allowing my parents allowing me to be aligned with that in my decision making, I think created created a lot of wind for my sail. Um, I think also I was, I've was i always been a person to speak into existence my bold, audacious ideas. Case in point, I think something that really set into into configuration the person that I ultimately get to become. At Duke College School of the Arts, which is the Arts High School in DC, the chair of my department asked me my junior year, uh, what do I wanna be? Where do I wanna go? I said I wanted to go to NYU for musical theater. I hadn't applied yet, but ultimately I got in and I ended up going. And I said, ultimately, I want to run a space in Harlem that owns their own space dedicated to doing Black work. Because I want to create the alien of Black theater that, that is my birthright. And my whole theology was that when Negro Ensemble a, a, and in the history of Black theater, they were a very pinnacle Black theater that owned their own space in the heart of Manhattan. And they were kind of like toted as a crown jewel in, in Black theater. When they lost their space for multiple different reasons, I felt like my birthright as a Black artist was also chipped at. And I wanted to create a space that would reestablish that integral connection of home so that Black artists have a destination to go to that's not baked in or actually flowed through the white gate. So all of this actually gets me to that place of, 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 at 25, sitting in front of the CEO of National Black Theatre, talking about the future of theater and then she's just like she has she's like she had a full on download, I'll never forget it. And she says, I think I should make you my creative director. And I should make you my creative director because everyone believes in you, but who's gonna invest in you? And I wanna invest in you. After after high school going to NYU, I started theater companies. So I started, I, started a the, I started a theater company called The Movement Theater Company with a group of my friends. It was ensemble-driven, ensemble-built or organization. I was a part of that for oh, for roughly about 10 years. It's still going on today. And then I also founded another another producing entity with another group of friends called Harlem Nine. And those two fundamental spaces are where, where, where the bones of, of what I had been learning um, start to get played out. And I start to really understand, even though it might not feel so good, that one of my life force purposes is to generate space, not to take up space, not necessarily to be the person to be the shining star in the space always, but that my gift on this planet is to generate space for others to convene and that I get to be the great connector sometimes that allows for unimaginable things to be made real.
1: Wow, Jonathan, you went through so much again. This brother is deep. Still no waters is running yeah. deep. Them bath waters is deep. I know what he did with the botanica and the with Florida water. The, I, the lemon juice and the pomegranate seeds. He is going through it. I appreciate all of that. Jonathan, you brought up a couple things about you know your intuition. And I could hear it in your speaking that there's a couple of different layers of thought that is happening across there. And then most importantly, just in, in that term of generating space that you just went through. That's a thought that, as I would imagine, from a person who's in the performative arts comes from a selfless type of perspective. Now, that is interesting because I would imagine you being on stage and you being around the stage, you know, you almost perpetuated to be, okay. I want to get my shot. I want to be in here. I want to be like, you know, the, the center of attention. How did you develop that perspective to be able to move your path forward and be able to be the amplifier for everybody else's path?
0: that path and i really appreciate that that's actually that's actually a wonderful question so the root of it i haven't actually i don't know but i I know what i do know is that i've never liked being in the limelight Mm. and i'll tell you this so this this is a key point of like when i mean i didn't like to be in the limelight and how universe i think Is always pushing me to say, you might need to be in the limelight. When I first got to MBT, I used to always say, I'm here to awaken the sleeping giant. And the giant being National Black Theater. And like everything that I'm doing and investing in all the time, all of the sleepless nights, they're all dedicated to help make sure that the future has a space that that is speaking and and breathing and built off of their IP and for their IP. And so, and so one thing, one thing that came clear is that I went through, I went, I did a, I did a professional development, which I feel like is really just a spiritual gumball ya-ya week um, at a, <laughs> through a program called Toffman, And you basically go for a week with 40 strangers and you have no cell phone, no, no computer. Uh, they provide you all your meals and you go through a deep ideation and meditation around some of this concentric circles that keep you from having a relationship to love. The premise being that love is something that was actually taught to us by the vehicle of our mom and our dad, but that was taught to them by their mom and a dad and mom and a dad mom and dad and the legacy of that. So then therefore you your 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 deep and natural relationship to love has never actually been made at the forefront because it was always in reaction or in relationship to a rule that you were taught. So did that fully? My first visualization that I had while being there was that the sleeping giant was actually me. That I had displaced who the giant was because I couldn't hold the magnitude of my beingness. That I actually was spending all that time to awaken who I was and to allow myself the latent parts of who I was to start to have a to start to awaken and be and and, and actually get well, get actually whole, actually start to own the fact that I have a power inside of me instead of doing what I was doing, and, and what I still, I think, battle with today or have a conversation with today, it's not a battle, it's a conversation, is where are the places that I'm erasing myself or hiding myself for erasure because I don't want, because 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 I have fear of the responsibility, the magnitude, the audaciousness of what it might mean To own that
2: space. Mm. So talk to me about this audacious power you're holding, right? (laughs) So you channel this into artistic director. What what does that mean? (laughs) Tell me what you're doing with this, what that really means to you and what what you're doing with this power.
0: So. Case in point, I don't see myself as artistic director. I see myself as a creative doula. Okay. Case in point, case in point. I shift the paradigm of this thing called artistic director because I think it's very Western white and very uh, imperialistic. And I think about it the, the, the indigenous relationship of what actually can, be, can happen when someone sits and centers themselves, not from the space of their power, but from the space of what opportunity they can provide. So I see myself as a creative doula. As a as a, as the intermediary between creative ideation and manifestation, and that really the play if we're talking about plays, the player and director are like the parents, and I'm just and I'm just the person asking the questions, giving the guidance, so that birth can actually produce a product, um, i.e. the baby, produce the, the entity that is going to live beyond all of us right? Like the the child, the IP of a child lives on beyond the two parents. That's what we all pray for, we hope for. That the IP the entity called the child lives to actually hold one's values, one's personhood, um, who they are. So for me, it, it, a part of the magic is me shifting kind of the, the, uh, doing what we do so well as black and brown folks, Taking the lemons and turning them into lemonade, looking at the spaces where 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 I don't see myself. I don't see my practice and saying you might name that practice that way, but I know how to flip it so that it works for my good. And so part of that is for me calling my artistic like taking artistic director and changing that to creative doula.
3: I like that. That's dope. That's beautiful That's Jonathan I, I have a question just based on everything you said so there comes a point when you know I can hear the passion and everything that you love as far as the theaters but was there ever a point where it you you kind of lost that flame a little bit and you had to you know rekindle it and and fall in love with the process again
0: on Tuesday night Damn. <laughs> 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 on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, I came into relationship to um, a reality on Wednesday morning that I might quit. That's Wednesday. Wednesday, I was having a conversation being like, hey, I got very clear in a moment that revealed itself to me that I might be hurting my best friend, who is the CEO, Shari Lifka, feel like I'm being positioned as the bully or the agent of change, that passion you feel in your voice, feel in my voice, like that is... That's how I navigate. Like I am a surgical person, basically. And that can feel uncomfortable to a lot of people. If you tell me you want to become, like if when I was brought on, I was told, I want to have, I want to be able to create a well-resourced, highly creatively abundant, theatrical home for the next generation. I know how to get there. My brain then shifts and makes anything that's an obstacle, which it can sometimes be not good, the the target. and i start to surgically get you to the place of that desire i'm a surgeon in that way that felt very uncomfortable on tuesday so- that didn't feel good i didn't like it i wanted to be done <laughs> it felt like i was a thoroughbred running everyone instead of i like team i like team i so love team to no avail i'm like teamwork makes the dream work teamwork makes the dream work all a good team and so and so on two, on Wednesday, I actually started, I called Sade. <laughs> we had a conversation. I was like, I don't know about this. I'm about, I need a break. I might need to be gone for a couple of weeks. I might need to be out of here like swimwear. Like, like I heard, I, I heard what you said. And that, and what I heard really shook my system. I haven't been able to sleep all night because you're my best friend. You're, I, 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 I'm here to really help. I don't want, I don't want you to die. One thing you should note is that almost everyone in leadership at MBT who's had prominent leadership, they have all died in on the post. There is a shift in the trajectory of how Shade and I are trying to navigate, to try to bring healing and trying to bring health into that. This is not about this is not about our dying on the post, but us actually generating a post that can be passed on, passed on, passed on in a healthy way while we still have our lives to live. Does that make sense? So. So I was basically like, I'm ready to leave. And Sade said something, because I'd never heard this before, that actually shifted my entire way of being. She said, what if your surgical nature has was always invited, but never actually said, thank you for doing this? What if your ability to push us, because I'm not saying you don't push us, what if that was always welcome? You know what I mean? And that really, for me, By the end of that phone call created so much capacity in my body i listened and i got transformed and i will say that i would be lying to you if not every quarter if not every three weeks i questioned should i still be here am i the right person to hold this ship what am i doing am i failing in my ability to let my anti-Blackness techniques, because we all have blinders, we all can do anti-Blackness work, my allowing that techniques, those conditioning tools, to hinder my ability to do the fundamental principle of what National Black Theatre was built and designed to become, which was a healing salve to the chaotic American experiment that has robbed Black and Brown bodies of its own sense of autonomy. And that means I have to address myself. That means I have to be able to have that conversation. So the, the strength that you see, you hear in my voice right now is only because of the antithesis of it, which is the moments when I actually ask myself why, where, for what. I should just go. I should go make flower arrangements. I love flower arrangements. Flowers don't talk to you. They don't talk back. <laughs> they just like give you love. I should just go. I No, no. I really seriously, I've, been, I've said to myself over and over again, when I leave this job, I'm going to be a florist. But you know, That's, that's going to be my number one thing.
2: Those same questions that you're asking yourself are what keep you in line to be who you are. Because one of the things that it sounds like you're doing is getting comfortable with the fact that you make other people uncomfortable for the greater good. <laughs> And that is a that is a huge challenge to to walk in every day knowing I'm I'm, somebody going to be upset. Somebody that I probably care about is going to be upset about something I say. But if I don't do this, then we won't be as good as we could be. And your process of creating fertility and fecundity in a space that doesn't always have it or doesn't really have a chance to have it Mm -hmm. means that, you know, some eggs are going to get cracked and some people are going to get hurt.
0: I say I say.
1: I need you to break that down for me uh, one time. What, what, what's that you're saying over on that side? I'm
0: That's- just saying Ashe. I'm saying Ashe. So I'm, I'm saying um, in Yoruba, the word Ashe means thank you. There we um, go. And, uh, I, and why I say that instead of, why I say Ashe versus thank you, for me, Ashe is uh, is a opportunity to, is a deeper sense of thank you because it's also acknowledging the ancestors who are in the room who are allowing for the wisdom to be made made true. So there's a wisdom that was shared right now by, I mean, by us all. There's an intimacy now that's actually present amongst us all. And it's only happening because we're also vessels attuning ourselves to the vibration of, of materialization. We're materializing healing that's happening for me right now and hopefully healing that's happening for you and for maybe other people who will listen to this. Oh, there's
1: going to be some deep downloads coming through on this side. Yes, oh, most I, definitely. I got the fun dictionary out right now. <laughs> of course. We're in Aroba, we doing Jonathan, something.
3: I do have a, uh, just a follow-up briefly. Now, being as though you're a native of D.C., so Chocolate City, I, I was born and raised when in When it was chocolate. I when was there it was when chocolate. it was chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, but I, I bring that there's up. There's
2: some chocolate nibs here and
3: there, you know. It's like, uh, you know like a little cookie or something yeah, like that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bring that up because you spoke about theater and uh black and brown bodies not being represented uh, appropriately can you speak to what it was like coming to nyu and the theater scene then <laughs> and then you know how it's manifested today in present day
0: dc saved my life i got to go to a school called duke Ellington school of the arts where all my teachers were black almost 90 i would say almost 95 percent of my teachers were black in the arts so i got to see the arts come from a vernacular of black autonomy, and black liberation, not coming from a Eurocentric guy guy. So I got to see what happens when uh, we stand in our truth, and we create from our truth, and we own that truth that is created. When I went to NYU, and some of the reason why I went to NYU, you know, and I always I always ask myself, like, what if I happened if I actually went to Morehouse, like how my life would be different? The theory and thought around it was that I also was very keenly aware because I had gone to private school. And a white private school before Duke Ellington, that the world is run by a white ideology, and that I had to learn how to code switch in that ideology if I wanted to actually be successful. And so NYU was that playing ground to switch to code to figure out what that code switch ideology was like, knowing that I had come from Duke, uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts, I had lived in a very blackity black 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 DC, <laughs> I like 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 knowing all of that, and knowing that you can't rob me of that. No one can rob me of that. They can try to challenge it. They could try to say that with X, Y, and Z, but they can't rob me of it. And it's a choice if I do get it robbed, right? Going to NYU was a culture shock. I was a token. I was the only Black male in my um, musical theater cohort of 60 60 students. And the ramifications of what that would mean, as far as how my body would be utilized, how my voice would be contextualized, how the expectations of me being able to run and to do harmonies when I couldn't do it. I could sing. I could hold a note, but ask me to pick the harmony out of the sky. It's just like, oh, you should be able to do that, right? All these microaggressions that were at, at at play, and those microaggressions were the industry at that moment in time, probably still the industry today. Probably many people who would speak into that. And so and so. what I will say is that what NYU gave me, as well as with the training that I was able to do, and the network that it was able to provide me, because that network that I still build off today, was a brush up against The real and invasive capitalistic society that art, we black folks, black men, black women face, cis, trans, binary, whatever we face, if our skin is codified with this chocolate.
2: You laid it out for me. Sometimes you gotta just let it breathe a little bit. I'll tell you what, one of the things I really I'm really excited to share, Jonathan, to share you with all of our listeners is the way that you approach your relationship with art. You very rarely take credit for anything, even though you do all these amazing things. You always say you're you're an additive to it. You're like you know, you you, you feed things but you don't give yourself the credit for creation. Where do you feel like is the point where you've said, All right, I did that, like that's my thing, that's my that's my Sistine Chapel. That's the thing that I needed to do to feel like I can take some credit.
0: That's a really good question. That's a very powerful question. It's the blinds. It, I mean, I don't want to say blind spot because that's an ableist society word. It's a hole inside of my fabric. So it's my human showing up. It's a space where I actually need to own, right? When I say like, when I say like, I'm here to awaken a sleeping giant. I then have to realize sleeping giant is me. That I'm as big as a 62,000 square foot facility. That I am that magnitude. Can I hold that? Can I actually hold what that means? And I think, I think when I when I when you ask me that question, there are many things that I could say. But then I think about all the people who helped to make that thing happen. Even if my idea sparks it, I also understand the web is not. Is not designed only by me like i might i might spindle part of it but i don't spindle the whole thing so then i wonder what ownership looks like like even right now there there are there are at least six people who are working right now to address a ton of if- challenges while i'm on this phone call on this interview right trying to make sure that a dream is not deferred but a dream is made manifested and real so within who has ownership has ownership over the over the final product when it wasn't me who actually stayed up and tearlessly did the X, Y, and Z. It wasn't me, but as long as I'm co co-credited, co-curated, co co co-collaborative, right? As long as I'm acknowledged a part of the fabric. And to be honest, none of it was me. It all was the divine calling or assignment. I know that I'm the download. I know that I'm consistently downloading imagery, ideas, ideology, and I'm just as I love to say, completing my ancestors' wildest sentence that they weren't able to do. My breath is the affirmation of that. Every single time I get to breathe is the affirmation of that. So then I am consistently challenged by the notion of ownership. Because ownership means that it came, it it is mine, but it actually, and again, part of, I will bring this up to my therapist, Part part of it is that that's where a flaw is at play because I should be able to own, right? There's an element of ownership that should be a, should be able to happen. There's a double-edged sword inside of what I'm saying. It's not as it's not, it's not as pristine as how I'm naming it or how I'm glossing it or how I'm like making it feel so gumbo ya real. And I understand that. But I also just want to speak to how I justify and name the space of that
2: departure.
1: Speak to that double-edged sword for a second, though, Jonathan. I just got to come back and, again, make a comment to the perspective that I hear inside there because you do have a way of evaluating yourself from almost a third dimension in some some capacity like you're you're seeing yourself in action your retro action and what you have yet to do and that's again that's a high level of movement throughout the creative space to be that analytical and to still be able to put on all the things that have to go into the emotion side and you know the things that tap into a little bit more of the 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 artistic prowess I'm intrigued by how you're able to do all of this and I would want to know in this year in particular you know this has been a a watershed year for everybody in the arts community in some way shape or form because everything that we knew in January is not true through till today how has this year in particular impacted that ability that perspective the analysis that you have that is omnipresent
0: it's actually deepened it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um because I had to so when COVID-19 happened and then when the George Floyd moment happened in the Civic Unrest, all that stuff started started really taking off, all these people wanted like to know, what is National Black Theater doing? What are you thinking? Sign this letter, don't you wanna sign this letter? And I was like, no, I'm pausing. I'm okay to be uncomfortable right now. If I'm not uncomfortable, then I'm not actually sitting in a space of innovation. If I'm searching for comfort in this moment that's not that is not comfortable, that won't be comfortable, that is not going away in six weeks, that is actually the uh, we've now understood as potentially the new normal. When we actually are sitting and doing this recording on September 11th, a -hmm. day that actually radically changed the fabric of who we are as as a global society, actually, not just as uh, the flying has never been the same because of September 11th. The world will never be the same because of COVID-19. Civic unrest happened because of COVID-19. We actually really were also to think about it. The ability for us to protest the way we protested was because of the unbridled um uh sense of of this of this trajectory that we were all marching for, protecting capitalism totally being dismantled. So then I asked myself as I sit there and I think about it. And, 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 and what that impact really started from, I mean, this is when the universe is divine, right? The universe is really divine and it's really powerful because lo and behold, during the beginning of COVID, three weeks into COVID, I get attacked for my sexuality mm. by my next door neighbor who follows me for five blocks wanting to beat me up. He had been verbally assaulting me for six months, mm. but then finally turned it to become physical and chased me. I went to the police. The police said, oh, we can't, the cop, the, he didn't touch you. So I don't know what we can, we can't do anything about it. He didn't touch you. I didn't realize there's two opportunities that show up in that moment. And I either, I either can live with the trauma or be traumatized. Which I think are two separate things. Trauma says that it happened. Traumatized means that it's living and my my perspective is living in my body. Like it is actually lodged inside of my persona. And so and so in that moment, I've already had a brush up with a deep sense of discomfort and trying to sit with how to find the comfort inside of it. How to find the mechanisms inside of it that will allow for me to blossom to grow X, Y, and Z. So Then I have to move in the midst of COVID because he tries to attack me again. Police then also say, oh, can't do anything because he didn't touch you. That's my grace finding me because he doesn't touch me, right? He doesn't get the chance to touch me because my grace is that strong. My blessing is that strong. However, I get to have the sentence that's going to actually propel me to the next level, which is no one's going to save you but you. No one's going to save us but you. No one's going to save any situation but you. You have to be the choice. You are the agent of change. So we actually have a conversation about, about COVID-19 and civic unrest and X, Y, and Z. We also have to have a conversation about how are you, you, not the system, not X, Y, and Z, how are you saving yourself in this moment? And if you're not saving yourself in this moment, then you're saving a system. And if you're saving a system in this moment, you're creating empires, not homes. As my beautiful director in residence said, I'd rather create homes than empires. Empires are what take over, dismantle X, Y, and Z. Empires call people out. Homes call people in into relationship with themselves. And to fall into relationship with yourself, as as the founder of MBT says, is to fall into a deeper love affair with the you that is yet to be decided. You, the you that is yet to be found.
2: Right
1: on. So when you run for office, but I mean, right? I jo- just want to know. Oh, do you, you have why. a book out or something like? <laughs> need- I need to read this.
0: <laughs> I need to get back. <laughs>
1: How do we promote? How do we sign up? Is it 20, you You pull up 2022? What, what do oh, you need no, to do? No, <laughs> no,
0: I got nothing. I got nothing.
2: Jumping back in, one of the things that I've noticed from everything you said is that every time you look at a situation, you look at yourself first. You hit yourself hard with all the questions, and then you carry that down. Is that part of what makes you feel more empowered to speak to how to dissect and cut through situations and, and get down to the root of how everything you say you approach things everything needs to be cut you bring in that scalpel because you do that to yourself is that what makes yes. you comfortable doing it in other places yes
0: yes and I had to I actually actually really had to because I think also a broken moment and a really defining broken moment was when I was trying to get into high school
2: Talk about um
0: that. when I was trying to get to high school um so I was born with dyslexia ADD and another form of whatever and when I was diagnosed they told my mom and dad that I would never get to go to college, Like they should just plan for me to always be homeschooled, that my I won't be able to catch up. They should always just be prepared that I won't be able to catch up to other people. And so um, I'd worked really hard. And when I tried to get into high school, a, a private high school, none of them would accept me because they didn't think I was gonna be able to keep up. So then the, 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 I was being confronted with the exact thing that um, I had worked so hard trying not to make real. I had gone to tutoring, X, Y, and Z, but they still wouldn't take me. And all my friends had gotten into all the private schools. Everyone got into private school, everyone knew where they were going. I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea what I was doing. And that was a bro- that gave me a broken space of feeling totally rejected. But that rejection created the opportunity for me to go to DeGellington. I never thought about going to DeGellington. I had not, actually no idea or no desire to be in the arts. Again, I was supposed to be an architect or an engineer. The art, I only went to DeGellington because of a rejection, not because of an intention. The intention was created because of the rejection that happened. And then I got, and then this, again, universe being divine, my path being what it should be, always. Um, I apply for DeGullington. They have the exact same questions, problems, right? They don't think I'm gonna be able to keep up. I apply, I audition for the vocal department. I'm the last male to be accepted into the vocal department because I, they're, I'm at their ump hour. I'm their, I'm, I'm their special case, right? <laughs> then they are gonna start this musical theater program, right? I audition for that, I get in. So then my path puts me in a place where I'm already starting to do stuff, but I'm just curious. I'm not going there from the intentionality of like I'm going to, I'm going to be in this place talking to you right now with the with the trajectory that I have. I'm going to this place saying that this is the only place that will accept me, and this is what I'm curious about. So my curiosity created the opportunity for my rejection to become my testimony.
2: Which is what we do. We take those lemons.
0: And turn them into lemonade. Sometimes all my palmers, you know, you got. to on it. And then
1: sometimes
3: you put them in your bath. That's yeah, all it. Yeah. Hey. Right back, full circle.
0: <laughs> you
3: don't want to waste the stove with a lemon. You, you put the lemon booty. You boom. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, man, you spoke about the ancestry on stage, and can you speak to your your family, like your home? Like to me, you sound uh you have so much knowledge of self. Was that ingratiated from your upbringing? Um, I, as I scrolled to your Instagram earlier, I saw your uh, your grandmother and your love for her. Um, so I just kind of wanted you to, to see, I just kind of wanted to see where that came from.
0: So I've been very, uh, I, I've had a very, bl- I have a very blessed trajectory of knowing a lot of where my legacy comes from as a black and brown bodied pers- embodied person. My grandmother um her family lineage lineage had the privilege of being able to kind of um navigate and store historical record so i got a sense of what runs through my veins and the opportunity that i have if i so choose so like my grandmother told me about how my great great granddad was the first black senator of cincinnati i got to find out that my great great granddad was also the architect of the of the church i got to find out on her side great her her grandfather, great grandfather, was a native chief. I got to realize that my granddad was in Jamaica, Jamaica Asian. He was a don- he was a dentist. He was also was a filmmaker. He was X Y and Z. I also got to realize that you know what I mean. Like like my grandfather worked for worked in the White House. Was in the worked under Bill Clinton and helped to. I got to realize I was sitting in a space of deep privilege in Washington D.C. of being able to know some roots that reminded me that I sit at the precipice of abundance if I so choose it. I sit at the precipice of being able to do radical shit if I so choose it. And it's a choice I get to make, or it's a choice that I don't have to do. But that I have afforded, if, 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 if white folks get the inheritance of, of wealth X, Y, and Z, I get the inheritance of a blood memory that has done some radical, beautiful, abundant stuff, and that that blood memory can guide me to make my dreams happen, if I so choose it. Like, my grandmother has... She's 100 now, she, and she's still around. And she kept my great-great-great-granddad's desk from when he was a senator for me so that I could have that piece of legacy for myself.
2: Wow, that's like a totem for the family right there.
0: Yeah. And so, like, that is where I come from. I come from, I come from a space of seeing Black doctors. I come from a space of also seeing unemployment. I come from a space of also seeing drug addiction, right? I come from a space of seeing... The, the high and the low and understanding that the men in my family have an addictive personality that addiction runs inside of a lot of the black men in my family. So then therefore I have a choice, either I can indulge in what can be addictive and harmful for my body, or I can indulge in the possibilities of what is not addictive. Like I eat getting, being addicted to getting green juices and smoothies, being addicted to bike riding 30 miles a week being addicted to X, Y, and Z versus being addicted to alcohol, being addicted to, to uh, all the things, weed, cocaine, all those things, because I have an addictive personality. It's part of my blood memory. It's part of my genetic code. It's part of who I am. So the more and more I am clear around the algorithm and matrix that make me who I am, that make my generational, my generational opportunity show up, the more and more I can, I can have choice to change the ultimate narrative.
2: You've told us how you got here, and you t- you're telling us who you are. what's the next step? Tell us what 2021 looks like. Tell us what the future looks like. What is the legacy that you're building for us now?
0: Oh gosh, what am I building? So I mean, there's a lot of things. I want to build something that someone can take because right now the job that I have, I don't think someone someone could take and be able to do because I it's kind of designed for my for me to be very honest. It's designed for someone who can multifaceted, multiple different things, pivot, look, be able to do artistic curation, but also budget finance, also do uh, labor law, also look at contracts, also vision, also help with reconstruct, like constructing a building. Like there's all these things that I'm not saying I'm an expert in, but I was I, there's a there's an intuitive builtness inside of me that makes that, that makes it very clear that I, I'm the I'm ready for it. The exact same way that Jade said. Maybe that was all invited. What if that was all invited for you to be that, right? To you, for you to do that in our
2: lives. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you're saying you're reverse engineering an infrastructure so that you're not necessary in that space anymore.
0: So yes, because the re, because there there have been moments where people are like, you should call your, you, should be the producing, the executive producing artistic director. And I was like, no, because that means I have to deal with, that means that the person who has to take this, the person who will commandeer the seat after me has to deal with budgets, has to deal with X, Y, and Z. I don't want them to. I want them to be an artist. I want them just to be the artistic director. I want them to have what I could, what I wasn't able to enjoy. That I that I had the the. I want them to hold the space. I want. I. That's my gift. That's my gift that I want to give as a legacy. My gift that I want to give as a legacy is the opportunity to have secession secession inside of a black institution, a black legacy institution, to happen before the black person transitions like happen in a thoughtful way happen in a competitive way happen in a critical way so that we can see it's not like a dynasty it's actually a business
2: that's beautiful i i have no question in my mind i don't think anybody does that that's going to happen so once you've built this and it is the way you want it to be and people can take over that role and that burden is gone then what do you do what's for you next
0: I always say I'm a florist everyone thinks I'm bullshitting <laughs> they don't understand how much I love flowers huh we'll paint that uh
1: future self vision man let me hear the big crazy audacious what would you what you say ya what was a, the dumble yaya ya yaya let's get let's get it all in there i want to hear
0: it to be honest i'm a, after this job i don't want to work for anybody else okay so hey audacious vision i don't want to work for anybody else i don't think i'm going to want to work in theater i potentially want to teach because I think that I would love to be a teacher, but I think I want something so simple, and that's why I say floor. I want to be a florist.
1: Man, I could tell this is not going to be your average floral shop. No, this shop
2: going to be dope. It's going to have a very
1: fragrant essence in there.
2: Yo, all the flowers grow from the ceiling down.
1: I, I feel like <laughs> multiple I feel a nice
3: print on the wall. Nice or something, prints, nice know,
1: prints. Something. You know, the, the floors. What's the floor situation going to be like? Because I think there's texture to this floor over here. You yeah, know what it, I mean? It's not it's, it's not, not a regular irregular. floor. Like, this what, ain't no what ordinary we floors. <laughs> we coming in.
2: No, you're going to be walking on moss from from the exactly native right. motherland.
1: You know, freshly stepped <laughs> moss. You can't have that. You know, I can see it. He's doing a lot. was like, listen, man. I know wherever you're gonna pull up and get the this floral arrangement, this botanical, you know, uh purgatory that you're gonna create over there, it's gonna be a nice little situation, man. I,
2: I know there's gonna be a big ass bathtub in that. Yeah, bathtub. It's gonna be right yes, in the it middle. It will
1: be right in the middle of the space. Oh, I like Don't your pond. That's the bathtub. That's bath. not a pond,
2: that's, that's a that's the bath.
0: bath. <laughs> Don't play with
2: me. Um, you're gonna come into
3: America bathtub. <laughs> come on now. Jonathan, before before we let you go, man, uh, you have dropped so many gems. Uh, you, were, you were truly a wealth of knowledge from, from leveling up to self-care to generating space. Um, what could you leave the listeners with off the strength as something that they could take to continue to move forward?
0: If you're searching for comfort, you're missing the opportunity in this moment. Mm. This moment is to remind us and why it feels like a mirroring because we have built on quicksand instead of building a foundation that could actually heal. And that the more and more that we search for comfort, the more and more that we feel comfortable, the more and more we're not allowing for evolution to provide a way. A caterpillar, we're in a cocoon, a caterpillar going to cocoon, just imagine the amount of pain that happens before it becomes the butterfly even the Maw. It has to radically shed the very essence of its skin, the very essence of who it knows it to be, and only have survived the essence, the very true essence, not not, not like, it's. it's like, what is the diamond of who we are as people, as human, as you? And we're being asked to get to that diamond space so that we can actually illuminate something quite profound. So I say... If you are searching for comfort, you're robbing yourself of the transformative nature of human innovation that's happening right now. And you are allowing yourself to be co-opted by a past notion of self, not a future vision of self.
1: Mm. You better shine bright over there talking all Boy, this diamond talk. Go ahead. <laughs> Jonathan just pimped a butterfly on us right there. You, know what you what really there?
2: did. I- man, th- yo, thank you for, for your time, for all the blessings. It's always always a joy when I get to talk to you, when we all get to talk to you. I appreciate you, brother.
0: Appreciate you.
1: Jonathan, you got to let the people know where they can find you, how we can support the National Black Theater, anything that we can uh, amplify on our network right now. Please do plug, sir
0: yeah yeah so um you can get to know mbt by going to www.nationalblacktheater.org. you also we're a non so you can make donations there if that's something that you are so inspired to do oh they better come um,
1: to check it's, it's, come on now it will it will
0: help it will help to make sure that we are able to build the 21st century destination for black culture through theater. So if you wanna be a part of that conversation, join MBT. We actually have programming that we're doing that's all digital. So it's an opportunity for you also for you to see our work and see us in practice. If you wanted to get to know some more about me, Jonathan McCory. Dot com. That's a place to go. You can learn about my website, you can see more of my work. Also, there I have an IG which uh, was mentioned. I don't re- I yeah, I publicize things on it, so you can just follow me there. Really, 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 I would just say my 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 full life and passions going into right now National Black Theater and things that are helping to support MBT and being the space that it should that it will and can and and already will is aspiring to be. Um, so I just invite people to check it out and to join us on the journey
1: here we go we're gonna make sure we add all the links in the show notes my friend thank you so much for blessing us with your presence with your energy and with that again shining bright like a diamond on this damn microphone yes <laughs> love it man we're gonna have we're gonna go ahead and let you get to this dinner over here cause I know it came a little bit ago so we ain't gonna try to let you 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 know your cold stuff get hot or your hot stuff get cold <laughs> we gotta make sure we rock this up <laughs> <laughs> y'all appreciate you Thank you very much. Have a good one. Nah, thank you. Thank you. Thank Once you, Jonathan. Again, it's been another fantastic episode of Off the Strength. I'm a trainer called Tony.
2: K.R. Jones. Your trainer, Corey.
1: Peace and much love to y'all out there. Until next time, we'll see you soon.